This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi all, Double G from Fight Game Media here, letting you know that we have a sister podcast feed to the one you're listening to right now. Mike Gilbert and JD Oliva have been doing a podcast called Brace for Impact which is now on a free feed of its own. You can search for Brace for Impact in your podcast player or check out the link in the show notes. And if you want more Brace for Impact, you can find more from Mike and JD on our Patreon. On to the show. everyone and welcome to another episode of the pound for pound podcast here on the fight game media network i'm your co-host carlos Torre, and joining me every single week is robert silva robert happy thanksgiving how are you doing happy thanksgiving to you and happy thanksgiving to all the listeners out there this should be another fun show yeah so in case uh you did not get the memo uh we actually did a show a couple of days ago immediately after terrence crawford's win over sean porter we did about 40 some odd minutes on the fight and pre and basically reviewing that entire pay-per-view so we're not gonna go over that too much but there are a, a couple of cleanup notes that want to address since that show uh or i guess the biggest thing is that the fight according to a couple of reports the fight did only a hundred and ninety thousand pay-per-view buys now i'm not entirely sure uh, you know i that's different reports i you know haven't really found to verify that number myself but hey, Car- uh, carlos i'd never i'd never uh uh Consider numbers two or three days after pay-per-view as being uh, the end-all, be-all, because uh, a lot of people were claiming that the Paul brothers, the YouTube clowns, did over a million buys, and it turned out to be much less than that. So I, 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 I don't know where they get these sources, but they're never, never on point. Yeah, and yeah. now in this one, I guess you can kind of see it because this is only this was only oh, ESPN minute, right. plus pay per view. This this might be more accurate because it's coming off the app, and they could easily access it. And that was stupid. That was a a stupid move on Aram and ESPN's part. And you could only order the fight if you had the app. I bet you, Carlos, that that affected the buy rates by several thousands. Yeah, because I you, mean, you could explain I, that to the listeners how the ones that didn't order the fight, because I heard from a lot of people on social media and personal friends of mine that they were frustrated that they had to buy an app that they didn't want to have to see a fight that they didn't want to watch. That that turns away casuals. It, it does. And and when you're dealing with, you know, an ESPN plus pay-per-view, it basically requires to have a really good internet connection for about four or five hours and not everyone has access to that and, and also boxing 
forget this, the, the, the demographic. Oh, the key demos. Boxing is predominantly an over 40-year-old audience in the United States, all right? And we know, Carlos, that a lot of people over the age of 50, 60, 70 years old don't fuck with apps. They want to see their, their cable, and they want to be able to hit that order button and watch the fight. When they can't do it, and they don't have any children around <laughs> or young adults to help them, they get frustrated. Because I let me tell you something. If my father was alive and he was living with my mother and I had to come over and show him what to do, he'd take, uh, he'd take the laptop or the phone and throw it out the fucking window. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm not watching this streaming through him. No, I want it. They want to see it. I'm 53 years old, but I, I've been forced to use apps because that's part of the generation. But people older than me, Carlos, mm-hmm. in their 60s or 70s, don't want to have to deal with that nonsense. Bob Arum should know better. He's 165 years old. <laughs> yeah, and it's also partially, and this is kind of tangentially related, but it's also partially why the zone uh, failed. Yeah, it has been has been a colossal I, disappointment. I, in the I US. agree. I agree with you. I agree with you because people, older people, boxing fans, are are used. To just being in front of their TV and ordering. You can do both. Matter of fact, uh, Carlos, the zone did both recently. Because mm-hmm. on the Mungia Rosado fight, it was available on traditional pay-per-view. I give that clown ass service at least that. And and it was the same price as their app. It was only $19.99 to order on traditional TV. Uh ESPN and Aram thought they were slick. No. Yeah, they might. Of those 190,000 people, I wonder how many were new subscribers. I doubt if they were in the thousands, right? Mm-hmm. Now, and not, and not just that, like, you know, it's, sometimes it's so hard. It's, it, it, okay, let me put it this way for those of you who may not get the message. Imagine going to a bar and you're trying to ask, you know, about the pay-per-view and then they find out when they're trying to search for it, that you have to go through it now. Do you know how hard it is to try if you don't have the proper TV nope. to be able to access it? Like there were, I remember, I can't remember if this was a, I think if I think it was for this fight. I can't remember for which fight it's busy, but it may have been Crawford Porter. But there was a picture for running around social media that basically that was, was, that was Crawford Porter. They were legally streaming the pay per view. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, they were doing one of my numbers. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> By the way, if my father was still alive and he wanted to order the fight, I would have. I have two Apple TV uh, small boxes. I would have brought one because I have. E- I'd have ESPN Plus, and because I know he won't be able to illegally stream if he lived with my mother at the at, right now by their themselves. And I would have, you know, ordered it and put do the, the ESPN Plus on the Apple TV. Left it there and said, "There you go, Pop. Let's watch it." And they they would have been fine, but by themselves, he'd look at that black box like, "What the fuck is is, is this a mousetrap?" <laughs> You're right about that. Was that was uh, the Porter Crawford? That 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 picture was great because in the upper left hand corner, you saw the website of the illegal stream. Oh, they weren't even hiding that. <laughs> they were not even trying. <laughs> Uh, or, may, they or pro- maybe they what? probably they probably charge ten dollars per patron. <laughs> <laughs> 
speaking of demographics and the viewership, um, I didn't get a chance to report this yesterday, but I'm going to do it right now. Uh, the Terrence Crawford, Sean Porter TV undercard, which was the Isaac Dunk Bay, Christopher Diaz fight, as well as the Adam Ochoa and Adam Lopez fights. On ESPN2, drew an average of 486,000 viewers, 139,000 in the 18-49 demo, and a .29 household rating, .11 in the 18-49 demographic, which is 42nd best on cable for the day. Overall, that's not a terrible number. That's not a terrible number, if we're being completely honest with you. It's an ESPN2 card, and it's going up against... It was going up against... Um, the Auburn South Carolina football game. Let me let me let me tell everybody something right now. We're in November, December. We're in the height of the college football and NFL season, and is why I believe that Javon. We'll get into this more. That the Javante Davis Isaac Cruz fight is going to be a royal disaster, numbers wise. But we'll get into that later. Uh, you're not competing against that it's the reason why uh, ladies and gentlemen why the nba doesn't go on saturday nights until the nfl and college football season regular seasons are over yeah and and just basically actually and not only was it competing with a with the auburn south carolina game which was the second highest viewed um uh, program on cable for the day in the 18 to 49 demo it was going up against a Hallmark movie on the Hallmark Channel, which was which did actually. If I'm looking at this right, it as, as far as total viewers, it has it outdrew Hallmark? all co- all co- all college Hallmark? football. Who the f- yo? Wait a minute. Who was in this Hallmark movie classic? I George Clooney, I Matt Damon. This- it's Julia an, Roberts? Who the it, hell was at this? <laughs> it's a Hallmark original movie, not a class. But funny enough, aside from the college football on I don't know on anybody the that watches Hallmark. My mother doesn't even watch Hallmark. What the fuck? <laughs> it did. It outdrew all college football for the day that wasn't on the big networks. Wow. It outdrew everything on cable. What for uh, for for shits and giggles? What was that Hallmark movie's name and the ratings? It's uh, it's called Christmas Together with You. It went head to head with the second hour of the the, uh, the undercard on TV. It drew two point seven six three million viewers and a point two six rating in the eighteen to forty nine demo, which was seventh best in cable all day. And who was in this movie? Or who were the stars? It did not. It, it does not say. I'll, I'll check it later. But I, I don't think Hallmark's ever done that rating. Ever. Ever. Damn. Uh, uh, shout out to the Hallmark. Hey, uh, you wrestling promotions. You might want to try to get on the Hallmark channel. Go ahead. I mean, they take uh, the kind of. Well, actually, no. They, they, I was trying to think of like AEW store that did like, uh, I think it, it's a wonderful life type of thing. Uh, during that time last year, yeah, last year, right, right, yeah. So I don't know, maybe they, maybe they should do some a Hallmark movie. <laughs> the obviously we after the fight, we even today's day, we still don't quite know where Terrence Crawford is going to land. But it does kind of feel like the more and more we sort of simmer on this, that Crawford is probably going to end up on at, at top at PBC. 
It almost kind of feels. He's that got way. no other choice. Where's he going? I don't know. He, he I can't I, go. In, where, where's he going? He, he's not going back to Aram. Uh, there's only one fight with Golden Boy, and that would be Virgil Ortiz. That's it. The all the best welterweights are at PBC. And uh, somebody tell uh, Keith Thurman to go crawl back into the hole that he that that he uh, uh, magically appeared out of. <laughs> yes, uh, Keith Thurman. Out from the woodwork, saying he would be willing to face Terrence Crawford this upcoming summer in 2022. Which, by the way, would be his first fight in... Three years. Three years. So, I don't even know how you can even sanction a fight like that. I'll be ready in 10 months, motherfucker. Go go sit on your couch. I'll be ready in 10 months. All of a sudden, everybody wants to fight Crawford now that he's available. Look, um... Carlos, gun to your head. Who do you think Terrence Crawford's next opponent's going to be? <sighs> Educational guess. It, boy, that's... Uh... <sighs> Gotta be honest, I would not be surprised if Danny Garcia gets a shot. You know what? That makes sense. Even though he doesn't deserve another title shot, I I can see that as a warm up to a major fight as with a, a possible like introduction for the PBC crowd hey, and, and the Fox and, crowd. And I think they should put that fight in Omaha, man. When, whenever he fights somebody that's not on his level, because face it, Danny Garcia is not on his level. They should put it in Omaha, easy sellout. And then if he fights Spence or Ugas or Boots next, they could have it in Vegas. Right. And the idea, yeah. And plus, yeah, especially like the atmosphere in Omaha. God, it's so electric. And he's like, he's like, a, he's their only professional sports franchise. Yeah. When was yeah. the last time? I think the last time we fought there was against Jose Benavides, if I remember. And it was, a, and it was an automatic sellout. And the place was, place was crazy. Place yeah. was crazy. They, 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 they treat him. It reminds me of Jose Ramirez's hometown of Sacramento. What was that? Jose Ramirez. Was his hometown Sacramento? No, uh, Fresno. Fresno, okay. And years ago, Tony the Tiger Lopez, mm-hmm. Sacramento. Those towns treated those fighters like a f- sports franchise, a mm-hmm. professional sports where they would sell out Every fight those guys had. Uh, Tony Lopez, Tony the Tiger Lopez, for all y'all guys that never heard of him, was a multiple uh, junior lightweight champion in the 1980s. Fought Rocky Lockwood, one of the greatest fights of the 80s. It was the 1986 fight of the year when he won his first junior lightweight championship, super featherweight championship, 130 pounds. Before the Sacramento Kings came to Sacramento, he was their f- sports franchise. And mm. Jose Ramirez is Fresno's sports franchise. It's a damn shame he hasn't fought there in, in two or three years. Yeah, I, I agree. I love those events at the uh, at Omaha. I mean, before that, it was the... Julius Ndongo fight where Crawford became the undisputed 140-pound champion. It was another electric atmosphere. Yep, yep, yep. Especially after he knocked him out with that body shot. That place went completely bonkers. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. 
Now, we had another fight last week, and we didn't talk about it on the weekend show, because the focus was obviously on Crawford and Porter, but we had the zone card on Friday that was headlined by a quartet of fights, and gotta be honest, we were excited about the undercard, and now after look, looking back at it a couple of days ago, boy, this, uh, this the card went about as differently as we could have possibly expected. It was the night of jobber matches. Kind So, let's break it down. So, Kylie Hayes wins a split decision against Justin Camara in what was a very, very hard fight, very competitive fight. That, because that was that was the best fight of the night. Yes. Yeah. Although, admittedly, it didn't have a lot to compete against. We'll get to that in a second. That's true. It's the, she's now the unified WBA and WBO Junior Welterweight Champion. So, congrats to her. Callie Hayes had to put on another very good performance. Jessica Camara, very, very close. I, I have no doubt that she will likely get another title shot down the road. Murajan Abridaliev retains his unified WBA and IBS Super Bantamweight titles against Jose Velasquez in, by unanimous decision, 119-109 across the board, but... This was a very, this was a slog to get through. I mean, Man, I'll, I fell asleep twice during that fight. It was not a, it was not very exciting. Abdaliev was really going for a more box, was yeah. really just outboxing him uh, a lot of times. Velasquez was very, very tough, but didn't put up a ton of resistance as far as pushing back in, trying to win rounds. It really was not a good fight, it, especially on when you're dealing with a, a fight that was eight days before what we could what we could be looking at one of the best fights of the year and Brandon Figueroa and Stephen Fulton Jr. I mean, I don't know. This is this is not the the uh, stand up performance but I was he, looking for. He's, he's not going to fight those guys right away because is it the winner of that fight mandated to fight uh, Danny Roman? I, Walter Figueroa? I believe there was a... I, can't I, I, I read something of that. Plus, Roman is a PBC fighter now, so I think that's an easy fight yeah. to make. Yeah, Yeah. so I, I don't think so. But as far as like trying to see who is the best fighter at 122 pounds, I mean, this performance did not, did not help us escape one bit. Now... The co-main event, which was the fight we had, a, we believe oh, was going to be man. the best fight of the of the show, Julio Cesar Martinez versus McWilliams Arroyo. First couple of rounds were excellent, and they were living up to the hype. It was, and then it all was of a sudden, it was a fight of the year candidate until go ahead, Carlos. And then Arroyo got cut from an accidental headbutt. Referee and ringside physicians asked him, can you continue? Arroyo said no. Fight gets called off after the start of round three. No contest. This was a colossal disappointment that just kind of accentuated just how weird of a card this was. But man, you talk about one of the... And it's funny because this was the first of two fights in two straight days that ended with an accidental headbutt resulting in a no contest after only two rounds. Mm. And a fight that was heating up, because if you remember, the on the Crawford-Porter undercard, the Adam Ochoa and Adam Lopez fight ended in the exact same way. 
But yeah. I don't know there, what's going to happen. There were a lot of headbutts this this past weekend. Um, that fight was like uh going on a date with a prime Halle Berry. You're in the movie theater. You're watching a movie. She tongue kisses you, and she says, "Hold up, hold up. Uh, let's leave the movie theater. Let's go to your apartment." But first, let me go to the bathroom. She goes to the bathroom, and you sit there and. 20 minutes later you realize she left <laughs> oh man that's what this reminded me of they, this this was like they both went down uh martinez was about to knock him out though because arroyo was getting pasted by the way martinez no defense whatsoever his a uh, shelf life is rapidly approaching it's, right. it's termination, rapidly approaching his termination because he took hell of a punishment in just those two rounds. We'll get back to the show in just a minute, but I wanted to let everyone know about Fight Game Media Network Plus. If you enjoy the Fight Game Media Network, check out Fight Game Media Network Plus at patreon.com front slash fight game media. We have three specific Patreon only shows and we'll soon have monthly bonus content from the show you're listening to right now and it's just five bucks a month so if you want to support your favorite podcast on the network go to patreon.com front slash fight game media and you'll get more content than you can shake a stick at yeah it's it was a lot that Arroyo had to sort of deal with. It was, but it was shaping out to be a fantastic fight, no doubt. And then in the main event, we had Demetrius Andrade finally, finally take out someone <sighs> that is nowhere near on his level and take him out in very quick fashion. Very much appreciated, Andrade, and allowing us to go to bed before midnight. Stops Jason quickly in the second round. Can we stop putting him in with these stiffs? Quigley has never beaten anybody, and he's got a title shot. He's never beaten anybody of significance. He gets a title shot. Uh, Andrade, what's this, the, the two bums a year uh, um, uh, a year club? Let's stop it with all these stiffs they throw at him. Can Eddie Hearn, can you put him in with somebody that could actually give him a fight that's on his level, and let's stop putting him in the ring with bum after bum after bum after bum? Yeah, it was, uh, I, and I've said this time and time again, Demetrius Andre's title run at middleweight has been one of the most lackluster uh, title runs I have seen in quite some time. It's it's between him and Artem Delaki and the WBA flyweight champion. They're both comparable as far as how bad their opposition has been. But now... The future is basically now opened up because now with the interesting part in all of this, Andre has a mandatory coming up and that distinction will be named next month. Now, there's a couple of storylines to follow into all of this. Jaime Munguia is the number one contender. He's not the mandatory, but he is the he's the number one contender. Whether or not he is open to fighting Andre. That kind of remains to see uh, to be seen because this is, this is this is something that's gotten out of hand in boxing. Mm-hmm. It's happened with Ryan Garcia. It's happening now with uh uh Jaime Mungaya. You get to be the number one contender for a world title, and you decide 
Oh, I'm not ready to fight the champion. What the fuck? I've been saying this. There are people (laughs) dying for title shots, and these two clowns won't fight the champion that they're number one contender for. And I've said this for a long time. I don't I don't buy into the, he's not ready. He's still developing. If you got the number one contender of any organization, and now you know I I, I don't rate these organizations, but right. you, you you claim you want to fight the best. You're number one. Uh, Ryan Garcia has been ducking Haney the entire year. I don't want to hear about mental health and, and oh, I got this mysterious injury and this, that. He hasn't forced since January 2nd. All right. You've had plenty of opportunity to fight Haney or you were supposed to fight Jojo Diaz. Stop it. And Jaime Mongaya, since he became the number one contender, has fought nobody of significance. I know the fight with Rosado was good. It was a one-sided win. Uh, Rosado is a lifetime club fighter. Let's stop the nonsense. Make Mungia versus Andrade. Andre, please. Let's stop with the, well, he's going to be number one contender. This isn't the, like the Dillian White situation where he got caught with his hand in the cookie jar a couple of times and they got knocked out. These He wanted to fight for the title. He just kept getting snake bitten. These guys, for some reason, don't want to fight for the title. Strip them of their number one contendership and give it to somebody else. Eh. And I and I do not buy into the well. He's not ready. Like we just saw him go through a title ring, a multi-year title ring. Dasan uh-huh. beats Sadama Lee, Liam Smith. He beats Kachi Inoue. Yeah, you know he uh, Dennis Hogan. He beat some good fighters at 154. Well, and, yeah. he, and he was developing. He was he was very green at the time. And he was yeah. These and you're telling me yeah. he's not, he, now he's not ready. And I don't want to. And I also don't want to hear these suits. Well, he's still you know building his. Uh, Repertoire with Eric Morales, like they've been together for a few years now. It's, it's Why, how much more time do you need? It's how- nonsense. It's pure nonsense. Uh, I don't know what they're waiting for. They're waiting for the title to be vacant so they can fight for it. I don't know. But uh, let's put on Andre. I'm calling him Andrade because that's how we say it. I I don't know about this Andre shit. Uh, Demetrius Andrade should be fighting somebody on his level. Let's stop the nonsense and. Don't give me the the, the, the that they they're working on a fight with him and Charlo. That fight's never going to yeah, happen. Yeah, Eddie Hearn. That fight is um, never going to happen. Eddie Hearn reportedly is basically trying to get the WBO and the WBC to order Charlo versus Demetrius Andrade. And, I mean, look, it's been a fight not, that is almost not, entering boy Christ wolf type of not, deal. Like they keep calling for instance. No. I, I, I need to see it to believe it. And you're telling me that PBC is going to willingly no. work with nope. Eddie Hearn and that the WBO and WBC are both going to order it? No, it's not happening. I, That's a pipe dream. That's so a now, pipe dream. Now, the only thing I could hope, and for some reason, maybe you could explain to me why. I don't understand why Triple G has refused to fight Andrade, even though they're on the same platform. Uh, maybe Andrade could get the winner of Triple G Murata. I doubt it, but... You being an insider, is there any possibility of him fighting the winner of that fight, or that's a pipe dream also? What do you think? There is a boy. That's it. It depends. I think that I think there's a number of things. Because first, Triple G is never fighting Canelo again. He needs to get that shit out of his head. That his head. That fight's never going to happen for you. All right. We also got. And we also got a. We also got a. You know, be mindful of the fact that Murata could also beat Triple G. 
I, I know, but I'm saying the winner of that. Oh, fight. the winner. Um, yeah, yeah. It, there's a boy. It's it, it's a very very small chance. That's there's criminal. Always going when you've got three of the four middleweight champions on the same platform fighting, right? And you can't get a unification among those three titles. It's criminal. It's criminal. It doesn't make any sense to me. And the number one contender on that platform for Andrade's title is on the same platform. You can't get uh, Demetrius, why do you even have a promoter? Why don't you just go back across the street to PBC and see what you can do? Because Eddie Hurd is not doing it for you. And I love Eddie. Eddie does his best, but he's completely dropped the ball with Demetrius. He He's done with Demetrius what Bob Barham did with Terrence Crawford. And that is completely dropped the ball on a tremendous talent. And the issue, there's a couple of things. I mean, look, Andre, let's all be, let's all be clear. Before this fight against Quigley, Andre, at no point in his run as middleweight, has delivered a performance that has made you want to see, that made people want to go out and see him, and made champions want to go out to see him. Because I you, think, in a, a lot of sense, they see they a lot of these champions and other top fighters. Yeah, he holds the belt, but it's more of a you know high risk, low reward situation. Yeah, you get another belt whoopsie do it's you know unified champion doesn't mean as much to some of these guys these days as just simply holding Look, a title it's damn if you do and damn if you don't all right yeah he shined saturday night like he should and he gave us stinkers the other time but if you're not motivated what are you supposed to do you're, you're just fighting for a payday this guy what's he supposed to do uh mm. he shined saturday night that might scare more people off i man right. He made a huge mistake when he signed with Rock Nation, and we saw, and when he signed with boy, Eddie boy, Hearn. Uh, boy, uh, stop me if you heard that one. He made a mistake when he signed with Rock Nation. The only one that really flourished at Rock Nation, the only two were Andre Ward and Miguel Cotto. They flourished at Rock Nation. Other than that, everybody else was an epic, epic, epic fail. Yeah. Now, behind door number three in this WBO middleweight mandatory situation is uh, Johnny Beck, Alim, Kanu- uh, Alim Hanala. Who's his promoter? Uh, he's a top-ranked promoted fighter, right. and he's promoted by uh, and he's managed by Agus Klimas. Now, he's number two in the rankings, and he actually issued a uh, his manager issued a yeah, I heard that a, a letter to the WBO asking if they could if the W can put him in as the number one contender at the mandatory challenger i should say more specifically i i would you know he just won an ibf title eliminator so it's not like he is no not going to say leverage but he's got a say as far as how good he is and as far as asking for title shots Wait, you want to talk about not ready these other fighters claim they're not ready. He's not ready. He's tailor-made for Andrade. But you know what? He could bring the best out of Andrade. And you know what? It's better than the than the horse manure that they've been feeding him anyway. Right. So it, it, you, those are essentially the three doors that you got. You know, not necessarily all of them have the same chance of it happening. But it is what, it, it is what the situation is concerning right now between Demetrius Andre and the rest of the division. And it's really, and I gotta be honest, I really don't see any chance. 
Charlon Andre gets made anytime soon. And you know what? These oh, Chris Mannix. Oh, it's the best fight to be to be made in boxing. What are He's you got, smoking? He has to be taken to what are you anymore? smoking? Let me tell you something. I believe that Chris Mannix is just a shill for the zone because the stuff that he has say, said this year in particular has been off the wall ridiculous. Nobody you, you saw that Crawford and 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 Bud you reported 190,000 buys. If you get 50,000 buys for Charlo versus Andrade, I'll be shocked. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody's going to buy the zone app if that fight happens on the zone, which it won't. All right? Come on. The biggest fight in boxing to be made. Are you kidding me? With all these other great Fury versus Usyk and and uh, Spence versus Crawford or, or or Spence versus Boots or Crawford versus Boots or Haney versus Tank, this is the best fight to make in boxing. At this point, he's got to be taken to piss. <laughs> it, it has to be. It has to be a, a bit now. It, he's drink, uh, he's he's drinking out of the same tap that Steve Kim is. Get this crap out of here, man. He's been like. Because listen, for some reason, Mannix for years has been wildly spirited when it comes to Charlo and Andre and and Andre and Gian, all these types of fights. It's it's got to be a rib or something a bit. I, I am not. I'm not entirely nah, sure. He, he's promoting his bosses, and um, there's you. You could promote your bosses without. Uh, maybe maybe he's the one running that Twitter account because the Zone's Twitter account, along with ESPN Ringside's Twitter account, I'm about to mute both of these suckers, man. Because <laughs> th- there's never anything tangible. There's always stuff that's not on their on their app, and just these wild things like the Zone. Re- yesterday, I know you saw this, Carlos. The Zone compared this upcoming fight that we'll be talking about, Lopez Cambosis, to Ali Frazier, uh, uh, Bo versus Galata, <laughs> as as alt as a possible all time legendary classic at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like okay, so in the they have a um, the, I think I think the tweet that you're referring to, it, yeah, Wanda Zone posted out I think yesterday. Yes, yes. Uh, historic fights at Madison Square Garden. I go they I think listed like twelve. So I will list them all. Uh, Jake uh, Lamada versus Robinson one, Marciano versus Moore, Marciano versus Lewis, Ali Frazier one, Tyson versus Green. Bo versus Galata, Hamed versus Kelly, Holyfield Lewis one, Hopkins Trinidad, Cotto Judah, Joshua Ruiz one. Hey, they actually announced that fight in a tweet. And Lopez Cambosos. You know what the funny thing is? All of those, all of those fights that that I just mentioned, aside from the the Lopez Cambosos Jr. one. All of them took place at Madison Square Garden, except for Marciano Moore, which took place at Yankee Stadium. Right. And right, which they totally bu- uh, butchered. And, and, and but Lopez, but Lopez the came both taking place at the Hula Theater. They're not even the big arena. <sighs> Who's running that account? I think I think they need to uh, check uh, Chris Mannix. No, they need to take Chris Mannix's burner phone and never let him use it again, because I think he's running that shit. <laughs> they also, funny enough, they... 
they posted another tweet where they were talking about biggest upsets in boxing history or uh, up, major upsets after in the uh, champion's first title reign. Buster Buster Douglas lost his titles to Evander Holyfield in his first title defense after that was not a major upset. By the way, we, this is a perfect segue. We will be doing on the Patreon. You got the you listeners will have to order the Patreon, uh, the Fight Game Media Network Patreon page. Five dollars a month. Go to the Fight Game Media. My uh, matter of fact, I think there'll be a link. On the on the Apple Podcast here to, to 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 go to the website to subscribe to the Patreon, uh, we will be doing starting in a couple of weeks the first of a monthly series on the greatest upsets in boxing history. Perfect segue, Carlos. So, I think the, the specific tweet is. Boxers who upset the champ then lost their first title defense. Uh, Tyson Douglas, obviously Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson, lost his titles to Evander Holyfield in his first title defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iran Barkley beating Thomas Hearns and then Barkley losing the, losing the middleweight title to Roberto Durant. Duran. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hasim Rotman beating Lennox Lewis and then Lewis beating Rotman in the rematch. You know what's really funny? They didn't point out the Joshua Ruiz fights, which was on their own platform. Uneffing believable. In the same venue. Uneffing believable. Well, the not the same venue. The, 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 got, it's Matt, uh, the Matt same building. The same building. Not the yeah. same because you, you know Joshua Ruiz was in the big building and did a great crowd. Uh, the only way Lopez Cambosas could get that uh, attendance is if they opened the doors and let the homeless people around the around MSG come in. Right? That's the only way they get. Maybe they get ten thousand. <laughs> so, and speaking of the zone, it. It is looking very, very likely that Golden Boy is going to be sticking with this zone for another three years. Their deal was supposed to be up by the end of this year, and it looks like they're well, going to because, be— because uh, Trilla won't be last—this this is crazy. This is, this is how bad Trilla is. They're not going to outlast the zone. All right, so Oscar was smart in sticking with the zone, even though I don't know how the zone is still around. Uh, uh, they, they, they believe. Uh, how does John Skipper still have a job with the zone? He, I, he no, John Skipper is gone from the zone. Oh, he's gone. I believe so. Yeah, because when I, I when I recently uh, uh, saw an interview, they still called him the oh wait, yeah, uh, the managing operator of of the zone. No way. I think. Uh, hmm. I'm trying to think. Well, look, it, it could he be deserves wrong. to get fired because he, he told these guys that he could use boxing as a way to get Major League Baseball and the NFL and and the NHL uh, and the NBA. Uh, Skipper, you were drinking the same horse piss that Chris Mannix is pissing, is drinking because yeah. there's no way in the world that the ESPN, ABC, Disney or Fox or or CBS or NBC were going to allow the zone in the door to get any of those networks, any of those major sports franchises. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Skipper stepped down as the uh, as the head of the zone, and Kevin Meyer was uh, was okay. the when new chairman he's... back in March. Back in March. Okay. All right. Okay. I think you may have listened. I think you may have thought differently because John Skipper was talking very recently. Yeah, that's what I thought. 
yeah, that's yes. what I thought. He was talking recently about the zone and his failures with because he mentioned because I remember. Yeah, he first came on the Bill Simmons podcast, which was ironic because he was the one who fired Bill Simmons off ESPN, talking about how they were going to use the same, uh, the same trajectory that they did at ESPN. It was, a, it was a different time, John Skipper. Forty years ago, when ESPN started, yeah, they could do that because cable TV was in its infancy. You weren't going to do this now, when, and we know this, uh, Carlos, that. Primetime sports, especially the playoffs and the championship series or or the Super Bowl, that's the only guaranteed ratings for mm-hmm. anything on cable right now. They weren't going to let that go. And who the fuck is going to spend money on a zone app to watch the Super Bowl? They would never allow that. It wasn't happening. Right, and and sort of going back to the uh, the zone thing. So the zone. And Golden Boy are very close to reaching a uh, a new deal, which is going to be for three years. Obviously, no Canelo Alvarez this time around, but this time they'll have guys like Alberto Ramirez and Ryan Garcia and Jojo Diaz and Virgil Ortiz. Vir- as well. Virgil Ortiz, right, right? And the plan, obviously, we, we mentioned this. You know, um, goal, January twenty second, which oddly enough is not part of the new deal, nor is it part of this existing deal. It is a one-off that is outside of the contract uh, type of show. It's going to be headlined by Virgil Ortiz. An opponent, I, we, we mentioned David Arnvenizian as the planned opponent. Right, Obviously, right. no opponent has been officially announced. Well, you know, if, unless there's a title shot, which it won't be, because the, 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 all the champions are busy right now. Uh, uh, unless it's Unless no, it's it, it, it can only be David. It can't be anybody else. If he fights anybody else, who the fuck's going to want to watch? Because it's going to be a one-sided beating. Uh, that Virgil uh, Avenesian fight is a fifty-fifty fight, ladies and gentlemen. Do not mis do, do not get it twisted. That's a fifty-fifty fight. Right. So we have quite a few other fights that are um. That could be in the works. According to a report from uh, Mike Oppinger, Kazuto Yoka and Jerwin Ankahas are finalizing a potential unification fight for the traditional New Year's Eve Super Shows in Japan, which that's about as fitting a main event as you could possibly ask for. In my- I just hope I just hope they find a streaming service. Or network to air this fight that day, please. Somebody find because last year Carlos and I had to uh, go through uh, other channels in order to fight to find a fight. Uh, so please, please, uh, yeah, do that. that. Was, yeah, there was that issue, and here's the thing, yeah. you know, Kazuto Yoga is not affiliated with Top Rank like Naoya Inoue was, so they don't have that backdoor channel to sort of. What about Akas? Akas is not. <sighs> He's not really with. I guess he's with. Well, Who did he fight? What network? What streaming service did he fight on last time? Ankaz fought on on PBC, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, you will be having yes, fights. Yes, it on. was on. It was on Showtime. All right. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, this year. Christmas, you got a card on t- on television. New Year's Eve, hopefully we find something to put. Uh, was it is it twenty ninth or the thirtieth that Murata and Triple G are fighting? I 
want to say the 29th. And that will be not only on the zone, but on Amazon Prime Video as well. And no, that's only going to be in Japan. Wait a minute. What about the United States? What? What? what it's on what? the zone. No, I'm talking about Amazon. Oh, Prime. all right. My bad. My bad. I misspoke. And you have that debacle of a pay per view New Year's Day going up against the 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 bowl games. They might get three thousand buys. Anyway, uh, you've got a lot of fights doing the twelve days of Christmas this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, the Christmas card. It's. I'm. I'll be frank. It's not great. Hey, who you look? The fact that you got a card on Christmas, which hasn't happened in I don't know how many years. Um, let me tell you something. I've been watching boxes since 1977. I've never seen a network televised fight on Christmas Day in my 45 years of watching boxing. This will be a first. I think before I started watching boxing. Ali might have had a fight on Christmas or the day after Christmas during his uh run to, to before he fought George Foreman. The in between the Frazier one and George Foreman fights. He might have fought Christmas or the day after Christmas. I can't think of another fight that happened on on that time in my lifetime. So I mean you 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 gonna get a bunch of prospects that night, but you got some boxing uh on Christmas to to compete against uh, the NBA powerhouses. <laughs> well they're also going up against uh, the NFL because they have a couple of games on Christmas night. Oh, that that's going to do a record low rating for box for boxing. But hey, now the, the one the one caveat is that it's, uh, it's Colts and the Cardinals on the NFL Network, which I think it's the weakest out of all the networks showing football. So they're both going to be competing for a playoff spot. All right, yes. the the Cardinals will be competing for the best for the for for the the only buy in the NF, in the NFC. Because there's only one buy now for both AFC and NFC. And the Colts are in a dogfight for their division and will still be at that time. So that game will do great numbers. I don't care how uh, insignificant the matchup might look. By that time, it's Christmas night. The NFL is overwhelmingly the number one sport in America. It's not even close. It let's say the NFL is Roy Jones Jr. in 1995. Number two, the NBA is Roy Jones Jr. in 2003. Right? Huge difference. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I, I will definitely find a way to catch yeah. that PVC card with Bill Milnicki and Joey Spence at some point. DVR it after the football games are over. You watch it, and after and after the basketball games, because Christmas, uh, Christmas to me has always been appointment viewing for basketball. And and by the way, for those that want some uh, perspective, it's rare that you have NFL games on Christmas. But the NBA Christmas game, when I was a kid, there was only one game on national television, and that was whoever the Knicks were playing at the Garden. Now it's a quadruple header. <laughs> so a bit of a minor update on the potential Jamel Charles LeBron Castagno rematch for the undisputed junior middleweight titles. Now the WBO has struck a resolution with Tim Su, who is the mandatory challenger to the WBO title, to allow for the rematch to happen, and PBC is expected to potentially have that fight in Houston in February. 
it's possible. So we might be inching closer and closer to the Is this going to be the Saturday before the Super Bowl? I don't know. All we know is February is a targeted It was it February 2nd that they were talking about? I don't know. I don't recall anything about a specific day. Okay, I just all, all right. I know is uh, February. It's possible, but but then again, ESPN has almost kind of bookmarked the Saturday before the Super Bowl for their own show because they have done several boxing cards over the years. Is this going to be day. a? Is this going to be a pay per view? I don't have anything that would right, we'll, to suggest we'll that. We'll wait for first. I don't it think will, I don't think it's going to be on pay per view. I could be, be on, on. Will it be on Showtime or Fox? I'm I'm gun to my head. Showtime. Gun okay. To my head, Showtime. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. I, mean, right. I mean, Showtime has done significantly better with the matchups over the last year or so. Showtime's been the best network for boxing this year. Period. Yes, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. And that's a perfect segue into another great Showtime card this Saturday night. <laughs> yep, the long-awaited unification fight between Brandon Figueroa and Stephen Fulton Jr. for the WBC and WBO titles and the uh, trashing of the WBA regular Super Bantamweight titles on this show. The Saturday night in Las Vegas this is a phenomenal fight, and the TV card is also an excellent one. Raisa Lean versus Eduardo Baez and Gary Antonio Russell versus Alexandro Santiago. An excellent undercard, headlined by an excellent main event. This is, gotta be honest, Robert. For throughout most of the year, I was under the impression that Stephen Fulton Jr. might be the best super bantamweight in the world right now. Now, in looking at this matchup, there's a couple of things that really stick out a lot to me. Number one is how both of these guys fight and how, if you think about it, it's actually kind of how similar their styles are. Even though physically they're, they, they, uh, they are very, very different, Figueroa is far taller and longer. But both of these guys like to fight on the inside and both have a very aggressive style that lends, that tends to deliver some action-packed fights. The one thing I'm looking at here is how do these guys sort of react when they're fighting on the inside? And the way I look at it is I look at Brandon Figueroa and I think to myself, Figueroa has, I think, improved a lot. I would argue more so than Stephen Fulton has in the last year or so. My One of my biggest issues with Figueroa was his insistence on fighting on the inside and almost never using his length to his advantage. And he always has the length, uh, the reach advantage because he's frictionally tall and, and long for a guy at 122 pounds. But he's sort of fighting a bit smarter. And we saw that in the Luis Neri fight, mm -hmm. where he wasn't just aggressive, but at times he was smart. He was outboxing Neri. He was setting up punches. The, the knockout that he delivered, that wasn't a that that was not a a one-hitter quitter that he just threw a Hail Mary. No, he was setting up the body shot mm -hmm. yep. throughout the night. Yep. And it's been something that he's been working on a lot. And as much as I love seeing Fulgen Jr., I still haven't quite seen that massive leap that he has undertaken. 
His last fight was against Angelo Leo, and although that was a very entertaining fight, then Fulton dominated that fight. He also, uh, it was also a fight that he allowed himself to be open yep. quite a lot, uh, and yep. we haven't seen him in the ring since then. It's been 10 whole months. Mm -hmm. So looking at recent performances, I'm tend to lean towards a potential Figueroa, a, you know, I'm I'm hesitant to say Figueroa by stoppage because I because Stephen Fulton is a tough son of a gun. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna go with a I'll go with like an eight four type of decision win for Brandon Figueroa. I like your analysis, and you are a thousand percent correct on the development of both fighters. Figueroa over the last two years has tremendously improved when it comes to fighting from the outside. Stephen Fulton started out as a boxer and now all of a sudden has become more of an aggressive inside fighter. He's digressed, in my opinion. Yes, he's landed a lot of shots against Angelo Leo and he uh, looked great inside. But like you said, Carlos, he took an enormous amount of punishment, unnecessary punishment, because he could have easily boxed Leo from the outside and won an easier fight than fighting inside. Uh I see a war. I see a war. I see a tremendous fight. Uh, and it's very close. Both guys are so damn good. I'm going to go out on a limb and call it a 12-round draw. <laughs> Oof. I see. And, and, and you know what? It's been unfortunate. How many times in the last five, six years have we seen unification fights end up in a draw? Uh, Castaño. Versus... We literally just finished talking about a yeah. rematch from a fight that that ended in a draw. And remember, Badu Jack versus James DeGaulle. I see. And... Or Badu Jack versus Adonis Stevenson. Right, and if you saw, and those fights were incredible wars. Right, this is going to be an incredible war, and one judge is going to give it to Figueroa, one judge is going to give it to Fulton, and one judge is going to go 114-114, and Jimmy Lennon Jr. will say, we have a draw! No, no, no. He's going to say a split decision, then pause, then draw. No, because... no, I'm saying after he reads the scorecards. Right, yeah, but but uh, yeah, but I'm just saying, Jimmy Lennon Jr., and this is my pet peeve when it comes to, to him, he always, when he says... Um, draw when he calls a draw, he always starts by saying split decision. Which oh, it's a giveaway. Yeah. I never caught that before. Oh shit! Oh man, it's a giveaway. You had a good, good great ears, great fucking ears. Great yeah, I, I know it pisses me off because I'm like, oh man, well who's gonna win? And then I hear draw, and I'm like, that's not. I don't think split decision means what you think it is, Jimmy. It's not a split decision. It's a split draw. Yeah, yeah. Split one, decision means one, that one some, a decision somebody won. Well, yeah, yeah. He should just go. Well, then again, he will give it away too if he goes. And we go to the scorecards, and if he doesn't say split decision, and he says one judge gave it to 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 Fulton, one judge gave it to Figueroa. Wait a minute, he didn't call it a split decision. It must be a draw. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. That's that's the one thing he's kind of pigeonholed think, himself throughout the years. He of, always says uh, we have a before. We the scorecards he goes yeah. by saying what the uh, you know decision is actually going to be or you know what the, this the is term. this this is a great uh teaching moment f for those aspiring ring announcers just 
We go to the and we go to the scorecards and just because if you say split decision, the fans are going to expect a winner, right? If you if you uh just yeah, if you say split decision, we're going to expect you you put your pigeonhole pigeonhole yourself. Great call, Carlos. Uh, Ring announcers need to start just forgetting we have a split decision and just go to the scorecards. Right. The now I got to be honest with you. No matter who wins this fight, obviously Canelo is going to win fight of the year. But the winner of this fight, he should be in that conversation yeah, for like you know that what? number two. Uh, Canelo's got fighter of the year wrapped the fuck up. I mean, uh, there's nobody fighting in the le- in the next six weeks other than this fight that could because the Tank Davis can't claim to be a fighter of the year. No. No, I don't no, care how active. No. I don't care how active he's been. I don't want to hear it. Uh, the only other competitor for Canelo, and I can't give it to him because it's one fight, would be Usyk because he had the most significant win of 2021. But Canelo cleaned out an entire division, and I'm going to have to put that over a guy beating a multiple heavyweight champion and winning multiple heavyweight titles. Any other year, Usyk would have been fighter of the year. This year. Canelo's done something that's never been done before at, at 168, and he did it all in one year. So, yeah, Canelo's got the fighter of the year. But but whoever wins this fight on Saturday, he's going to be up very close up there. You, and- you, you could make an argument for third because they're not over – they're not leaping over uh, Alexander Usyk. Usyk right. is definitely number two. And you will have you will have you will have some publications or websites or boxing sites give it to Usyk because of their hatred for Canelo. Step aside the hatred for Canelo if you think he's arrogant, if you think he's overrated, whatever. He's the fighter of the year, man. Let's stop the nonsense. Right. TV undercard, as I had mentioned previously, Raiz Aline versus Eduardo Baez and Gary Antonio Russell versus Alexander Santiago. I'm picking Aline and Russell to win both of these fights, but these are going to be excellent fights. I would not be surprised if Danny Roman does not get the... Or actually, let's scratch that. I'm, I expect Danny Roman to w- fight the winner of Figueroa right. versus Volkan. I, I do too. And, I, and if you want to make a mouth-watering you know, consolation prize... You can give the loser Rai Salim. That would be that would be great. That would be great, and and the winner of that fight could get a fight, a, a, another title shot, a chance to redeem himself against Roman versus the winner. Right. Yeah. And now, and if Alim wins that fight, you know the, you get a fresh title bout. Exactly. Exactly. Ex- ex- well, that's what I'm saying. The winner of Alim versus the loser of Saturday's fight. Could be right. eliminated. Okay, I see. That's I see. what I'm saying. What I was to say, you could just keep, you could keep the carousel going, and P- PBC has that luxury. Hey, kudos to Al Heyman, Sam Watson, and Floyd Mayweather. They have built an incredible stable at PBC. I know they get a lot of criticisms, but you got to call it like you see it. All right, and PBC, PBC has so many great matchups that they don't that they have taken that UFC uh, blueprint, and they've nailed it. They don't have to go outside of their forest at 147, at 154, and at 122. Several divisions, all right? Uh, I give I give them kudos. They have so many great matchups, and now with the possibility of Bud Crawford joining them, 2022 will be probably the best year financially and quality-wise. 
for PBC. Right. So, yeah, I, I fully agree with you on that. PBC, with the divisions that they have locked down, they have done phenomenal work all across the board. And Gary Antonio Russell is very, very close to breaking out and becoming a real star in the bandweight division. Oh, he, he, he's there. He's there. I mean, they and, and um, oh, they are keeping him busy. I love it. He's developing. He, and and his other brother. And I'm not talking about the oldest one who doesn't fight. The other Gary Russell, uh, is going to be a major factor soon in that loaded 147 pound PBC landscape. Even 154 if he moves up. So, man, kudos to be PBC. And um, as far as Gary Russell Jr. goes. Keep getting that cut from your brothers because I don't think you have a fight again. <laughs> <laughs> On the zone, we got Teofimo Lopez versus George Cambosos Jr. The fight that we have been waiting for now it's been nine months mm -hmm. since that dreaded purse bid, since that cursed purse bid, pretty much, that Triller won for a gajillion dollars. Fight fell through. Lopez got COVID. Triller failed to sort of slip one from uh, from both of these fighters' rugs, put them on a random show in New York. Lopez was like, fine, whatever. Campbell's is like, yeah, no, I'm calling bullshit on that. IBF says, yeah, we're calling bullshit on what Triller's been doing for the last couple of months. Defaulted on the on the fight altogether and gave it to matchroom boxing which was second in the purse bid not top rank boy was aaron was boy was bob aaron pissed at that and you know what and uh, matchroom was uh was the big winner in all of this and now we finally get this fight I'm going to be honest with you, Robert. I, I I still don't believe this fight is happening until we see both guys in the ring. And even then, I'm still not nah, to believe it's happening. Eddie, Eddie Hearn's track record with, with promoted fights. So. Oh, it's got nothing to do with Eddie Hearn. I just think that it's one of those I, fights that it's, is just cursed. It's, it's going to happen. I think by this point in time, it's, go, it's going to happen. Uh, remember, Lopez is a New Yorker. He wants he, he wants to fight. Uh, and Cambosis is dying. He's hungry. So I think this fight's happening. Unless, yeah. but then again, we never know. Uh, after the show's over, we might hear about a failed COVID test by one of the two fighters. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so, so you know what? Yeah, let's let's keep our fingers crossed that this fight does happen. Uh, I'll be watching this one live while DVR and the Fulton uh, figure all fight. So I'll be st staying really? off. I'm actually yeah. going. Well, I'm going to yeah, try because, to watch because oh, you could do it because. Well, I'm going to watch both, but my attention is actually going to be firmly planted into the Showtime card. How could you watch two fights at the same time? I can never do that. I've never, I've never been able to do that. I mean, well, I the, could do well, the trick here is to yeah. sort of time things out and know. Okay, this fight's about to go into a break. Now let me focus on the other one. Ah, oh, that, that, that's one minute. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then, the, no, nah, I, I can't do I'm it. I'm not saying it's fun. I'm not it, saying it's enjoyable or even worth it, but. It, it's, your head becomes a bobblehead. I will, uh, I will DVR the figure of Fulton fight because I know it's going to be a great fight. Uh, I'm predicting right now Lopez blows Cambosis out. Cambosis never fought anybody. Uh, Lopez beat arguably one of the greatest one of the five greatest fighters of the last decade in Lomachenko, and he did it impressively. Uh, I see Lopez knocking Cambosis out um, anywhere between rounds four to eight. 
uh, Campos is just not that good. In my opinion, he's just not that good. You, in order to beat Lopez, you have to be a Shakur Stevenson, a Lomachenko, a Tank Davis, a Devin Haney on that level. Campos is on the next level down. L- unless Lopez totally takes Campos's for granted, which I doubt because he's in New York, and Lopez has shined over and over again in Madison Square Garden. He loves fighting there. Lopez by knockout, and... um. Cambosis goes back to the back of the line. Now, for those of you who want to watch both cards, just a bit of an update. The the Zoom card, the main card, starting at 8 p.m. The Showtime card, starting at 10 p.m. Okay, so you might be able, you might be able to, well, but then again, the undercards. Uh, this would, this is what I would recommend, Carlos. Okay. Before I do that, give us the Lopez Cambosis undercard. Uh, uh, so I, I, okay, I'm gonna because you gave us the Showtime undercard. Give us the, yes. I'm gonna preface this by saying that I don't think they've established what's gonna be on the main card. What's gonna be on the, I guess before the main card. I guess uh, yeah, the before the bell uh, show. But here's the full undercard. It's seven, I, yeah, seven undercard fights total. Asinga Fazile versus Kenichi Ogawa for the vacant IBF super featherweight title. That's obviously going to be on the main card. You got Raymond Ford versus Felix Caraballo, which is an interesting featherweight matchup. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be on the main card. You got Rashad Mahdi versus Nicolas Pablo De, De Mario. Could go to the main that, card. I think that's gonna be before the bell. Could Shalei Zhang versus Craig Lewis. This is Shalei Zhang's first fight since that incredible draw against Jerry Forrest back in February. Which, in retrospect, boy, did Shalei uh, Zhang uh, lost a plot on that one because he was on his way to a massive decision victory. Yep. yep. Or actually, a stoppage victory. He dropped yep. three times. Yep. At least. And he lost Blot there. This was his first fight since then. Boy, it'd be weird if you put this fight on the... Uh, it'd be weird if you put this on, on the before the bell. I think it's going to be a five-fight main card with the fights I just mentioned. And the bottom, the other three fights I think are go- actually going to be in on the before the bell. Christina Cruz versus Mary Green Valinga in a women's flyweight fight. Ramla Ali versus Isela Vera. I I think that's going to be before the main card. Ramla Ali has been... They, they've been kind of putting her in that very low spot on the card, so mm-hmm. probably going to be in there. And Anthony Christopher Herrera versus TBA. This is going to be his pro debut, so no chance that's going to be on the main card. So so how many fights altogether on the main card, do you think? I'm predicting five. So this fight might not, Lopez Camposas might not start till midnight. There's a good chance main events are still going to find a way to conflict with each other, which sucks. It will, because the Showtime card starts at 10. And there's only three fights. Right, and that fight's going to happen around midnight. Yeah. Boy, this is, uh, yeah, I'm gotta gonna, love these Saturdays, everyone. I'm just Gotta I'm love just, these Saturdays. They could have easily put one of these cards on a Sunday. I mean, come on. Yeah. Now, we have a DAZN card actually on Friday in Mexico, which is another of the very infrequent Canelo Alvarez promotion 
cards in conjunction with Eddie Hearn. Main event is Erica Cruz Hernandez versus Melissa Esquivel for the WBA uh, Women's Featherweight title. This is Cruz's first title defense since she scored a shocking upset win over Jaleda Bernjanovich back on the Ring City card in April when and Cruz dominated. Ermjanovich, uh, it's completely blindsided. Yeah, we we, we talked we 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 talked about this on the podcast. Yeah, uh, it, Carlos was so damn impressed with her performance. He got on the undercard and Angel Fierro, who's also been on these top on these Ring City cards, upset Alberto Machado on a Ring City card in Puerto Rico back in March with another. Uh, tremendous come from behind performance. Fierro was down very early in the fight, and then he draw, and then he just knocks Machado out in the sixth round. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a very entertaining fight. Hey, quick question, because those were some of the best cards of the year. What's the status with Ring City? Uh, I have no idea. I think they're just scrambling to see if they can, you know come up with something either financially Did the NBC or Sports Network finally end? I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. That that I gotta be honest with you. Wasn't that the hold that wasn't that the hold up because they were terminating the, the network? I don't know. I mean there there it was going to be, well yeah but that didn't mean that they couldn't think of make, uh, make a card until that transition. That's true. That's that it had occurred. So I, I have no idea. Um, and they certainly ca- are not going to be able to live off of you know Twitch, uh, Twitch streaming. Which, no, no, no. I mean, look, look I love, I love the fact that Ring City uh, embraced Twitch, but they're not. It's not a financially viable. F- no. uh, they need streaming they, platform. They need a network. Or- they need a. They need a network. Uh, man, and it's sad because NBC. Sports Network in whatever variation they were, whether it was the outdoor outlaw, outdoor life network or uh, at one time they were known as Versus, always had a boxing boxing always had a presence on that network. So it, it's sad to see. Right. All right, Robert. We have. I think we covered just about everything, unless you have something that you no, want to ask. No, no, no. Uh. You can go to the end. Go ahead, big man. All right. And before we do, quick update. Mamu Char versus Trevor Bryan. Go to order by the WBA. Just wanted to throw that out there. And I can, I, I will take Roberts' silence as, I hate this. <laughs> I, I do not recognize that fight. That fight is not in my universe. Go ahead, big man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Robert. Where can the good people read your work and find you on Twitter? The parent game website, uh, the parent website of this podcast and of the Patreon page, uh, fightgamemedia.com. Right now, I'm um, doing the greatest 45 fighters of the last 45 years. My number 27th, Monster Noe, was last week. I'm currently working on number 26. And I'll let the podcast listeners know. What what the hell? Number 26 will be the second greatest fighter I ever seen come out of the country of Nicaragua. That's the legendary Chocolatito Roman Gonzalez. That's my number 26. I'm working on it right now. And you can find me on Twitter at Carlos Toro Media. 
and also read my work, including the Crawford versus Porter recap on Fight Game Media. And with that, he's Robert Silva. I'm Carlos Toro, and we'll see you next week for another episode of Pound for Pound. Happy holidays, everyone, and enjoy the the Zone and Showtime cards. We'll see you in the next one. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.